Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Talking Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with Philip Matthew here. As we're breaking down Las Vegas Motor Speedway, the race's triple-header weekend from Las Vegas Motor Speedway. We're breaking that down, and of course, looking ahead towards Talladega this week. 917-889-8280, that's the number to call here tonight. Uh, it was a race last night, Philip, at the South Point 400 from Las Vegas Motor Speedway. An interesting race, a race that was pretty much dominated by Denny Hamlin for, um, I'd say, you know, three-quarters of the event. Hamlin had the dominant race car, but a caution came out on lap 262 that really changed it up when William Byron blew a tire, spun, uh, also collected Corey Joy and Christopher Bell got involved, and that pinned a lot of guys on pit road. Um, excuse me, that was a caution, I, I believe, of the 38 car as well um, yeah. that put that in there. So. Uh, it, it put into a lot of cars on pit road, a lot of cars that were running up front. Denny Hamlin got caught a lap down. It put a lot of drivers that were running in the back towards the front. Uh, you saw Kurt Busch, who was probably a 10th to 15th place car all day long, got the lead. Matt Benedetto was probably a back end of the top 10 car all day long, was up there in second. Um, you know, and you saw Christopher, uh, Chris Buescher, excuse me, and the 17 up there. Ryan Newman was up there for a little while. Uh, it really shook up the field a lot, and it really changed the complexion of the race. And it ended up with Kurt Busch going to victory lane. He was able to get the track position. And at a mile-and-a-half track, like Las Vegas Motor Speedway, he was able to keep the track position and the clean air. And that was a key factor in the, the, winning the uh, race for Kurt Busch there. And, and that caution really caused by John Hunter and Eric Jones, as well as Ricky Stenhouse Jr., um, that was a caution that really changed the complexion of the race and, per- and helped Kurt Busch go to victory lane. What were your thoughts when that caution came out and uh, the run to the finish there where Kurt was able to hold off Steve Benedetto and Denny Hamlin at the end? You know, Clayton, you, that caution, I think also the debris, although I was looking at some stuff that was written about the debris yellow for the 88, or no, not it says debris, and then I guess that's whoever got put back on the lead lap. That's what it is. There was a debris yellow there around lap 237 as well. They started kind of messing around. I, that When you're talking about long green flag runs and you go and drop a caution right in the middle, like they were talking about it with Brett Bodine, you know, and on the, the podcast, whatever, the NASCAR Steam podcast, when his, with his one win, how caution lands in the middle of a green flag run and it, it goes and screws everything up. Well, that's what had happened here. Hamlin had the best car, dominated. He, it was literally him and, and Clyde, and there was nobody else that was in, in play. And then you get that you get the caution to land in the right spot, and you get somebody that's willing to gamble. Matt McCall, that team, the one team, they haven't had the pace like they had last year. Uh, you go and put yourself in a position to make something happen there, and he and he led. It's Kurt Busch, the guy is a gonna is gonna be a Hall of Famer in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. He's won dramatically in recent years. Uh, this win at home, finally. You think about his last win for Stuart Haas's Bristol Night Race, his win over his brother last year at Kentucky, and then the Daytona 500. I mean, it's been it, it's a turnaround in his career, and it's a turnaround in his life, and a lot of things. And now he's in the final eight, and quite frankly, 
you're talking about a veteran who's hungry and wants to get that second championship. It's a lot like Brad, but it's not as far as many years in the series. But, I mean, is it really – is it serious? Are we really seriously thinking that Kurt Busch can go make the Final Four? Who knows? It, it takes something like what happened yesterday. It could happen again at one of those cookie cutters because there's two of them in, the, in yeah. that round. And so yeah, you need credit to that team and credit to Dee Burrito after basically – laying an egg for like three, four months. I mean, that's the best that team has looked in a while. And, uh, you know, you get a top 10 in the one stage, you go and make something happen, give yourself a shot, um, take some, make something out of nothing. Um, you have to give credit to those guys for uh, doing that in a spot where it probably wasn't in their favor. It was probably supposed to be uh, Denny Hamlin or, or Clyde there in that spot. Yeah, and, and good credit to Kurt Busch, like you said, and, and Matthew Benedetto and those guys who, you know, uh, even though they, they sort of got up there because of, of a situation that really benefited them, you know, a, I guess you can call it luck, they were able to keep – stay up there and, and, and capitalize on that opportunity. You know, Chris Buescher fell back, finished ninth, and Ryan Newman finished 15th. They had a similar situation. They, they weren't fast enough to, to stay up there and stay in the clean air and keep their positioning – um, as you go through, and I want to give you the top five here quick, Kurt Busch was your winner, Matthew Benedetto second, Denny Hamlin third, Martin Trix Jr. fourth, Alex Bowman fifth, uh, Spencer Callen. I think that was a, a, a surprise of the night was just how much speed was in Alex Bowman's Chevrolet. I mean, uh, Hendrick had a rough night. Chase Elliott had his problems. Jimmy Johnson had a blown tire. Uh, so did William Byron, and he spun and caused a, a, that, that uh, caused a caution towards the end of the race. But uh, – it, the speed from the 88 was surprising. Was surprising. The 9 had pretty much pretty good speed uh, early in the night, but the 88 kept that up all night. Were you surprised to see the speed in, in the 88 uh, throughout the night there um, for Hendrick Motorsports at Las Vegas Motor Speedway? Um, not really, just because, you know, he had, you know, there was he was real, really, really, really fast in the beginning of the year, and then um, he kind of fell off, but he's, and then he's had his nights where he's had really good runs and he just wasn't able to capitalize. But with the nine having as much speed as he did and was able to go up and lead laps, it wasn't as shocking. Um, now, if it was all the Hendrick cars in the back of the field um, and then the 88 is the only one performing, then, yeah, kind of, you kind of be like, wow, why are the other guys so far off? But the 88 and the nine, um, obviously both Hendrick Motorsports cars and uh, both had – really fast cars, you know, yeah, they had their problems and, um, well, at least a nine, but, um, as far as the 88, you know, we've seen him run really well throughout this year. Um, you know, and he would have those streaks of really good runs and then he wouldn't have one. So, um, no, that's like a team, you know, they're, they're not consistent, but they have their runs throughout the year. So, um, but yeah, it was a good run for them. They need it. It was good for the playoffs. Um, so, you know, anytime when you're in the playoffs and you can go up there and um, collect points and have a good finish and get good finishing points, um, that's huge. Um, and plus, you know, the Hendrick cars are really fast at Talladega. So, um, you know, he can go in there. You know, if he finished 30th not, uh, yesterday, um, he would have a little bit tougher of a time at Dega. But um, still got to go to Dega and run strong, But um, and which the Hendrick cars do. So um, he has a little bit more of a uh, – he doesn't have to – 
worry as much as if he was to finish way back in the field. But, yeah, good speed out of those two cars from the Chevy Camp and Hendrick. Yeah, for sure. You're a little further down in the field. Kyle Busch finished sixth, and it was Ryan Blaney, Eric Jones, Chris Buescher, and Kevin Harvick. That's where I'm going to go with you, Philip. Uh, you know, obviously, when you look at this championship, it's a lot this year in 2020. It's a lot different than how we would view the championship over the last, you know, uh, since 2004, since we've had this championship race really being at Homestead Miami Speedway. And over the last five or six years, where we've had that championship race come down at Homestead Miami Speedway, because you want to be you want it to be fast on the mile and a half tracks on the cookie cutter race tracks. That's where you wanted your car to be fast because you knew the championship race was going to be Homestead Miami Speedway. That's not the case this year with the championship race being at Phoenix. So when you look at what Kevin Harvick did last night, and really from the get-go, he started on the pole, and from the initial start all the way through the, the entire race, we never really saw Harvick, you know, be in the top five. He was sort of a, a back end of the top ten, and that's really a compliment to that team that we're talking about them being in the top ten and saying they were a little bit off on their speed. Are you concerned at all? I mean, is this a, a factor of a team maybe saying, hey, you know what, um, we're in good shape. We've got enough playoff points. We'll, we'll be able to, to be carried throughout the rest of the, of the playoffs. Um, you know, because obviously Talladega and, and the road course at Charlotte are sort of wild card races in these next two races coming up. So you didn't want to totally uh, punt here at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. But it's not as much as a factor as it has been in years past. Are you concerned at all from the lack of speed we saw in the four cars just because we haven't seen that all year, and this is sort of the part of the season where you really want to be performing well? I mean, it could be uh, when you consider, you mentioned it, where they've been fast most places, and then they had an off night. And it's it, and if it was Homestead coming up, and you have a similar type of banking with the progressive banking, you have because of this crappy 550 package, it's a rougher track, so you know the blown tires and stuff. I mean that all those things play around. If they were going to Homestead, it'd be one thing. But because they're going to Phoenix, they're going to have Martinsville as the next to last race. You're trying to put yourself, you're trying to accumulate playoff points. That's why Kevin Harvick, what he did all through the regular season, even through round one, is what matters. Now, you just keep on accumulating and giving yourself a cushion and a buffer so that even when he finishes finishes 10th, I mean, here's the thing. The guy's got like a 6.8 average or whatever the heck it is for the season. I mean, a 10th place finish is like a is, is a horrendous finish for Kevin Harvick this year. That's how crazy it is. And so it, he if, if he was like completely out to lunch, it would be one thing. Uh, I don't think he was. I, I feel like it wasn't his best night. But, hey, it, as long as it's not at Phoenix, I mean, because I figure – most of us really feel, I think we all feel that he's going to get there. Um, as long as he doesn't lay an egg at Phoenix, it really doesn't matter. Uh, if he goes and destroys a race car or something happens to him with an injury or something like that, then we got a real problem. But I think he'll be all right. I think the Ford team and the Stuart Haas cars, I will say that the Stuart Haas cars did not have their best night, and that affects Boyer and Almirola way more than it affects Kevin Harvick, but you know you'll we'll, we'll find out. There's two wild card races coming up. 
the road course was definitely not in the favor of Kevin Harvick either. So maybe this whole entire round is kind of a throwaway round, accumulate stage points and and move forward to a round that might fit better in round uh, three and, of course, the final round. Yeah, no, there's no question. I think, you know, when you look at the next two races, as far as Kevin Harvick is concerned, he is notorious. You know, we talk about what Dale Jarrett used to do and sort of call it the Dale Jarrett, uh, you know, strategy where you kind of hang in the back and, and just let the race at the super speedways come to you. And uh, Kevin Harvick, I guess, is, is sort of the guy that does that in modern day. He always, always, even in the Daytona 500, we see him just hang in the back, you know, for the first 100, 150, mile, uh, 150 laps, he just sort of sits there and goes, okay, yep, we're going to hang in the back and not tear anything up. And, you know, sometimes it pays off for him, sometimes it doesn't. But, you know, that's been – he's been pretty consistent on that strategy. So that's got to be what his strategy is going to be, I think, again, on Sunday at Talladega Super Speedway. And, you, of course, mentioned the Roval. But I think he's got enough playoff points to get him through. But you may bring up a great point about uh, the other Stuart Haas cars. And – when you look at where they finished and where they are on the points right now, you know, here's your other three Stuart Haas cars. Clint Boyer finished 12th, Cole Kester 16th, and Eric Amarola 17th. And, you know, when you go look at the bottom four of the points standings right now, you're Kyle Busch, Clint Boyer, Eric Amarola, and Austin Dillon. Um, and to me, right now, we're in this. This is where, to me, where the lack of playoff points that you have really starts to shine. You look at everybody who's eighth or below – aside from Austin Dillon, they don't have a win this year. Um, and everybody that's eighth and above, I'm sorry, ninth and below, doesn't have a win this year aside from Austin Dillon. And everybody who's eighth and higher has a win or multiple wins this year. So the playoff points really, really matter in this round. This is where you know, start to, th- to thin out the crowd, and it really separates you. And Kyle Busch is one of those guys who's run good this year, no question, but he doesn't have a lot of playoff points. Same thing with Eric Amarola. We talked about how the streak Eric Amarola was on, and we were like, man, he's doing really good, but he wasn't accumulating playoff points. He was accumulating points with getting all those stages, but he wasn't winning stages and he wasn't winning races. And that's where this comes up to really, really uh, shine right now. And you know, same thing with Austin Dillon. Austin Dillon, sure, he won a race, but he didn't get a lot of playoff points either. And Spencer, he kind of puts himself into a, I, I think, almost a, a – must-win situation here coming out into these next uh, two races at Talladega and the road course after having some power steering issues. And, you know, everybody talks about the three-car having some speed, and there's no question he's had speed in these playoffs. He's had a lot more speed than he had in the regular season. But, you know, again, the lack of playoff points have really showed up to really hurt this three-team, and I think he's in a sort of a must-win situation here in these next two races. Yeah, it's a shame to see that – that team, you know, not run great in the regular season. Yeah, they won at Texas. But, um, and then for the start to playoffs, they were super, super strong. I mean, I believe Richmond it was. I mean, they had, like, the car to beat. Like, they could have easily won that race if things fell their way. Um, super fast car they had. And we don't see that at a RCR every week. Um, so, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, it, it stinks it one race can really put you in a big hole. Um, I mean, we've seen that with Blaney. He had a penalty in the beginning of the playoffs, and he was never able to recover. And his power steering was his penalty. You know, that's, you know, that's how you can look at it. And um, it, it's, it's a shame how this format can do that. But, um, yeah, so going to Talladega where he's fast, you know, he's won the Daytona 500. 
Um, he seems to run up front at these plate tracks. Um, so they bring good enough cars and good enough speed to win at Talladega. Um, but Talladega is so unpredictable. You can never know what happened. I mean, turn lap five, turn two, they can wad him up. I mean, we just never know. And then if he's caught up in it, well, then he's really he's uh, in a big hole, and he'll definitely have to go to the Roval um, in a must-win, and um, that's unpredictable as well. You know, they, we've only ran on it twice, so the drivers don't have a whole lot of experience on it yet. You know, it's not like these guys have five, six years of experience on this racetrack. So, um, yeah, he's gonna, they're going to have to run smart. You know, there's no laying in the back. He needs stage points. Um, so those guys that need it, they got to go. And they're, they got to run up front, be aggressive. Yeah, it might cost you, but it's, you're kind of you're out of options. You have to go and run, collect as many points as possible, hopefully gain a lot of uh, ground on the guys ahead and go into the Roval and just have a good day, a solid day, top ten, collect points there too, and you'll be all right and maybe go to the round. But um, with his power steering, um, that really is unfortunate for that team and really kind of cost them a shot at the championship. Yeah, and and you talked about RCR and, and the fact that they build the great engines. I mean, they are have great super speedway cars. They've always had, even even back to the days of Dale Earnhardt. You know, Dale Earnhardt used to be the guy who, when he came to a super speedway, you knew he was basically going to win. You were kind of figuring out who was going to finish second, uh, especially there in February in the 125 mile qualifying races. He was the man. He didn't lose that race in the, in the 1990s, which is crazy to think about. But getting it back. Present day, they still have very fast race cars. I mean, if you've got an ECR engine on a super speedway track, you know, you're going to compete. And, and that's sort of why Brendan Gaughan kind of does this with the with the 62 every every uh, super speedway race. He still comes down because they got an ECR engine and he knows he's going to be very, very fast because they, they put a lot of, of uh, you know, emphasis on the super speedway engines. Danny Lawrence and those guys over there uh, building those engines do, do a great job. So, um ECR is still a very big factor, and Austin Dillon, no doubt, can be a factor to win at Talladega, but really his playoff hopes really took a big hit here, and, and he's not a great road course racer. He has, I don't know if he's ever won a road course race in NASCAR, but uh, he's going to be really running hard this weekend uh, at Talladega Super Speedway. There's no question. 917 I want to kind of discuss something. I'll go with uh, Spencer first, then we'll go back to Philip. Quick and, uh, you know, it was mentioned in the broadcast, and I kind of want to bring it up because it's starting to get to that time. And Matthew Benedetto told NBC basically, uh, and and we kind of knew this last week, but he basically told NBC, hey, uh, my option, they got to tell me if they're going to pick up my option by the end of September here. And if you're following along and you know where the date is, obviously the end of September is Wednesday. That's the 30th of September. So by Thursday, Matthew Benedetto is going to know whether or not he belongs. He's going to be back in the 21 car year in 2021. Uh, Do you think he's done enough, Spencer, in your eyes? to warrant his, his option being picked up? Do you think he's done enough, and do you think he will be back in that 21 car in 2021? First, I'll answer, has he done enough, and then I'll touch on the other thing. Um, I do think he has done enough, and people, you know, if you guys listen or are live listeners and you go, he hasn't won, da da this, da that you have to look at where he's come from. He's raced, let me tell you, BK Racing. Um... Uh, go fast racing. He, and I can't even name where else he's ran. I think maybe that those are his two main teams he's ran at. BK was awful. Terrible. Go fast when he was there. Went the greatest. 
and they still aren't the greatest. Yes, they're growing, but that's beside the point, too. To see where he is, can he's done really good at Bristol in that BK car. I think he finished sixth. Um, so he's had, and then what he, oh, and Levine family, sorry, I forgot about them, who are also not the greatest, but he performed in that car the second half. I think we all three would agree, you know, at the road courses, um, you know, there for those, I think it was two, three weeks in a row. I mean, he was kicking butt in that 95 car, passing Gibbs cars and Hendrick cars at Sonoma. Um, and then he gets in the 21, Paul Menard. He didn't do as good as um, I think Matty D has done. Um, so he, I think he, coming into this team, for, uh, the Wood Brothers have gotten really good over the past couple of years. They really got good when Blaney made the playoffs. Um so with him making the playoffs and he ran good last year at Levine Family, you, it shows that he can run up front. I mean, look, he just finished second last night and kept some of the best guys in NASCAR from passing him. So he proves he can stay up front when he has the fast piece. So I don't see why not an owner would not pick him up and put him in a good car he, if he brought sponsorship. And as far back as should he um, do, I think, if he's going to be back, he can't sit around and keep waiting and keep what if two what if two car owners call him Tuesday night and they're like, Hey, um, you know, we kinda want you in our car. He he can't just sit there and go, Well, I don't really know if my option at the twenty one, because um, then, you know, they might go look at another driver. So he needs to know whether he has a seat lined up so he can't wait on the twenty one team to give him an option. I don't think neither one of us would. Um, he needs to know whether he's gonna have a job next year. Um, so teams are approaching him he can kind of work deals with them so the, if the 21 car wants to keep him they better do something quick because he's done an out say i'm not waiting i need a ride and you know that's smart you know he wants to be here and that's why he's not waiting around so um i think it's going to be hard for him to go back to the 21 with what austin Cindric has done this year and then his father being um a head honcho ever at penske so um it's just the way business works but um, I, he'll find a ride next year. Don't know where it's going to be, but he'll be in the Cup Series. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be interesting. The silly season's kind of crazy. How about you, Philip? Your thoughts on that? I mean, there are other options out there. Spencer mentioned Austin Cindric. He's had a very good year in the Xfinity Series this year. I think he's grown a little bit more than I even expected this year in Xfinity, especially on the oval tracks. Uh, he's always been good on the road courses. But, you know, we're going to have a lot more emphasis on road course races next year anyway. And he's probably one of the best road course racer in NASCAR, uh, so that's something to keep an eye on as well. But you also have other drivers without a ride that no, that a lot of people are sort of scratching their heads on where they're going. Eric Jones is a guy that comes to mind, you know, and he's got two cup wins. So uh, what are your thoughts? Do you think this this 21 car, uh, you know, like I said, Matty Dean's going to know by Thursday whether or not he returns to that 21 car. What are your thoughts? I think basically, I mean, Spencer made great points in terms of where he was before and Early in the season, I think the way they were running, it would have been a very easy decision to to keep them. But then you look at their performance basically post-COVID break, and they backed into the playoffs. They basically needed Jimmy Johnson to get COVID and all these other things to happen for them to make it. And then they just went out they went out in a ball of flames and without even really with, I mean, at Bristol, they showed up and they looked good and they had a chance and then it all kind of went to heck. Uh, the point, I think in the end, Sindrick, 
it's either Penske is going to keep the Xfinity program going so that Cindric runs one more year and they put him in the 21, or maybe they'll wait around and then maybe Brad, because he's on one-year deals, and they may put him in the two in 22 or, or something like that. Uh, there's also the option that everyone thinks and a lot of people feel the same way that he's going to be in that car next year. Uh, do I think it's a, the, the road course thing, as you brought up, Clayton, is a great one, great point. But I don't think you're really, I mean, the reality of the 21 car is you're not going to have amazing performances on a week to week basis. Uh, you're going to have your moments of brilliance. Uh, I think Blaney fits that team way better than any other driver they've had over many years. Uh, I think they would be better off if they just swapped, but they can't do that because of business or whatever they want to come up with. Um, I figured Di Benedetto will have a job next year, whether it's in the 21 or not. Who knows? I don't think it will be, but I think he will have a job driving uh, an okay car, not not a not a piece of crap like he was driving for all those years. I think he'll be driving a legitimate race car that has a chance to to compete uh for 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 wins and opportunity for a playoff run whether it's a 21 or not we will see very interesting to see another guy who's uh sort of been throwing his hat into the silly season news is the guy who won the nascar xfinity series race on Saturday night, and we're going to get to his what we think about his plans here in a little bit, but let's break down the Osco 300 from the NAS- NASCAR Xfinity Series race from Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Pretty much completely dominated by Chase Briscoe, led 164 of the 200 laps. Noah Gregson finished second. Then it was Daniel Hemrick, Justin Allgaier, and Ryan Sieg rounding out the top five. A uh, couple of interesting little notes. Sieg was running an RCR, uh, first-generation RCR car. Did a great job all night. Uh, finished in the fifth spot. So, um, yeah, a, a great run by Chase Briscoe there, Spencer. What were your thoughts on the um, Xfinity Series race and Briscoe's domination of that of that event? Yeah, I mean, really what he's been able to do in the uh, Xfinity Series is incredible. Um, you know, it's pretty cool. You know, if people don't know his story, his hero was Tony Stewart growing up. And now to be able to drive for Tony Stewart and win – all those races and um, really prove that, you know, he is capable of winning in the sport. I mean, by far, I mean, obviously. Um, and Tony Stewart said it on the, uh, one of the podcasts I watched, I don't remember which one it was. He goes, we will get Briscoe in a cup car. He goes, he will drive in the cup series for us. Um, it's just a matter of time and when. And so, um, yeah, I mean, for him to go out and lead all them laps, it would be, a shame for him not to win. Um, so, I mean, he's definitely separated himself from the field. You know, you could look at it, the two and the, I mean, the 22 and the 98 are the top of the field, top cars of the, uh, each each uh, week. But now the 22, you've kind of seen him back down just a notch. And the 20, the 98 has not. He's just, he keeps winning, keeps leading. Um, you know, if he can make it to the final four, you know, he's, he's going to be tough to beat. Um, you know, Phillip might be able to answer this better. I don't know how good Briscoe is at Phoenix. I haven't really paid attention. Um, but if he gets there and he can run at Phoenix, he's, you know, they might as well put that trophy with his name on it. He's, um, 
you know, it's it's really his to lose. For sure, I think he's had a, it's been a great year for Chase Briscoe. There's no question about it. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, Philip. Since there's two Fords in this Xfinity series, and they've got 13 wins. I mean, they've been pretty much the class of the field um, all year long. You know, obviously you've had, you know, we saw Allgaier win a few races. Gregson's got a couple of wins. Uh, so a very, very, I think a statement victory for Chase Briscoe. Uh, Xfinity Series, they're going to run Talladega and the road course at Charlotte as well coming up. You know, but they have a little bit more mile-and-a-half tracks on their schedule than normally than, than the Cup Series guys do. But, you know, then they got uh, Kansas, then they got Texas, then they got Martinsville, and then they got going to run Phoenix as well for the championship race. Uh, but Briscoe can kind of, you know, breathe a lot easier because really the only way he was going to not make the, this next round was if he had a terrible – you know, got involved in an early wreck at Talladega and was done for the day, and then had some problems at the Roval, uh, and he doesn't have to worry about that now because his wind carries him in. Uh, what were your thoughts on, on, on Chase Briscoe's win there uh, at Las Vegas? Uh, happiness, uh, first, uh, because uh, he won. Uh, second of all, the fact that he put on a good old-fashioned woodshed whipping on the field and the reactions, I think my favorite part was the reactions of the the guys that finished behind him, whether the it was the 9, the 7, the 22. I think their reactions to what they went through there on Saturday night, I think, said it all. You know, you talk about a guy who's uh, been grinding his whole entire career to get to this moment, to this spot, and he's hopefully – um, bias, of course, kicking in a few races away from getting some hardware for for his hero, and and it's they're they're running good again. Uh, they had went. They, I mean, it's it's funny to say they had had a couple of off races. It's kind of funny the same way Kevin Harvick runs tenth and it's bad. Uh, they the the Richmond the races were a nightmare. It was about the worst they looked all year, and then they come back and they take the the Bristol deal every they may have, they weren't the best car but they go and put themselves in position to win. This was no joke, no problem. Everybody knew they were the best car and it was it was over. Uh nobody led only Chastain led fifteen laps. He was the only car early that I thought could really do something. Uh he would push they were trying to start moving the line up there early in the race. And Ross went over the uh, over the edge, and that kind of uh, set the tone for the rest of the night for him. But then it also kind of set the tone for the rest of the night for the rest of the field. Because then the only thing that was holding Chase Spratt back at that point was restarts. Uh, he wasn't getting the best restarts. But you know now you get a 17 point lead. You go to two wild card races. You talked about the Dale Jarrett strategy. I said that. Um, after the race, we were having the chat, uh, and I said he's just going to do the Dale Jarrett strategy, sit in the back. Uh, I would like, I mean, you'd want to get stage points, but not at the expense of wrecking your race car. I mean, who knows what they're going to be doing, uh, but um, you don't want to destroy a race car early in the race, lose out on points. I think he'll sit back and put himself in a position to to win with uh, with the Cindric. 
I don't know if they're going to put team orders in there and have them push Cindric to the win, but it's going to be very hard for them to beat the the what do you call the college guys and the junior motorsports guys uh, just based on numbers. There's no way that they'll be able to beat those guys, but we'll see what happens. But it was just uh, an awesome performance. Okay, well, uh, sweeps uh, Las Vegas and uh, puts himself in great position. And and when you look at playoff points and uh, from this race at Las Vegas, you look at some of the guys who had some trouble. You mentioned you made a great point. Ross Chastain to me was the car to beat, uh, Chase to, to compete against Chase Briscoe, and he just got into the wall, you know, and, and it kind of ruined his night. He was never really the same after that. Uh, and on a late race restart, it looked like there was some contact. And he fell back to 15th and, or 16th spot. That's where he finished at Las Vegas. And, and now you look at the points. And, you know, Chastain finds himself two points behind Harrison Burton. Uh, he's, he's nine points behind Ryan Seag for seventh. And he's, he's 13 points uh, behind Brandon Jones for sixth. And, and 14 points behind Justin Haley, uh, his teammate. You know, and Colleg is very, very good on, at Talladega Super Speedway and, and, and the speedways. There's no question about that. Uh, they're going to have probably the, the, most, the dominant cars there. But there's still a lot of luck involved at Talladega and, and the road course. There's a lot of stuff up in the air. And, you know, I almost look at Chastain like I do with the other guys uh, in the Cup Series I was mentioning earlier where playoff points mean so much right now at this point in the season. And Ross didn't get any in the regular season. Um, you know, he might have got one or two through stage wins, but he never won a race to get those playoff points to really help carry him through if you have some trouble here. And really what it does is it puts him into a spot where he has to run and run up front and do the best he can all day long at Talladega Super Speedway because if he doesn't, he could find himself in a must-win situation or at least in a situation where he really has to perform at a road course track where that's not really his bread and butter. Um, are you concerned at all, Spencer Cowan? I know you're a Chastain guy, and he's going to the Cup Series next year. He was recently announced for the 42 car full-time next year, so he isn't to worry about that. That monkey's off his back a little bit. But are you concerned at all for his championship run here in 2020 with his t- really a, a disappointing run at Las Vegas Motor Speedway? Yes and no. And the only reason I say no is because he's only two points out, um, and that's behind Harrison Burton and eight. Um, I think as long as he stays up front for two stages, gets a lot of stage points, and which we have seen in the past, those college cars, all three of them, I think AJ's in this Talladega race. Um, yeah, he is. So um, with those three up there, um, they're kind of like the Penske cars in the cup. You know, those three Penske cars, they work together, and they don't leave each other, and it's hard to break them up. Well, those college cars do the same thing. It's hard to break those three up. So I feel like if they just do what they do at Daytona, Yet again, coming into turn three and four, two of them had a shot to win, and um, they just made a little mishap. So I and AJ was up front too. So they bring speed, a lot of speed to the super speedways. So I think as long as he gets up there and he gets a good stage uh, finishes in both of them, and then finishes decent, he'll be okay, and he'll go to the Roval and have a solid day. And I think he'll be all right. But um, can't wreck out early. He's going to have to need those stage points. So. Um, yeah, there's a little concern, but, um, you know, I was, I've seen him lose the truck series championship by very little and I can see him not win the Xfinity championship. All that matters is in 2021, he's going to take over the 42 and, um, 
very excited for 2021. <laughs> Speaking of 2021, and, and, you know, when you look at Chastain, we know he's going to drive the 42 car, but there's still a lot of questions up in the air in a silly season. Um, you know, one of the one of the things in the air is, is Chase Briscoe's future, and we touched on it a little bit earlier, but I kind of want to take a deep dive into it, fill up here a little bit. Um, you know, where do you think he is going to go for 2021? I mean, you know, the, the interesting factor is the new car. Um, it, it's a situation where the new car is going to change the way people race. So it's almost like you have to un- – if he comes up now, you know, it, it can be completely different than came up in 2022 because you almost have to unlearn what you, what you learned in 2021 and 2022 because it's going to be different. Um, and you'd rather say, I'd rather not have him unlearn that. I'd rather just have him sit there and go, oh, I'm learning how to do it. And he's sort of on an even playing field because all the drivers are going to be learning how to race that package. So it's going to be very interesting to see what Stuart Haas Racing does. And if you were in their shoes, Philip, what would you do? Well, to me, it's it's pretty simple. Uh, and he should just be in. If, if Eric Almirola didn't have money, you could put him there. If if they if people didn't have something for Clint Boyer, a it, this would have been announced a while ago uh, if he didn't have the the Rush Truck Center's money. And, well, I don't even know if it's him. I mean, Tony had that sponsorship. I don't know. He has sponsorship from somewhere. Uh, the easy decision is that. That's the right decision. That's not going to be the decision, it doesn't seem like. Um, they, I mean, of course, they are announced Al Marola. I mean, he's going to be gone after 2021 anyways. He's whatever. Uh, but, I mean, Boyer hasn't done anything in that freaking car for one year. I think he won in the 18. He was good. Otherwise, he's been a waste of a seat, um, and he's basically been a waste since 2013, after the 2013 season when Spingate and all that happened. So um, that would be the right call. That would be the best call. I'm not really concerned about the new car per se. I think they'll be fine. And learning on the job is fine. Even if it's a different car, I think it's going to be similar to the 550 kind of driving and style and package. So Chase is not as used to it. It's the same way as what happened with Custer not being able to drive the cars the same way, and they were really far off at the start of the year. And then he started to figure it out, and he was able to win that race and make the playoff win the rookie of the year. I feel like that would be the right thing to do and the smart thing to do just to get the experience, to get the tracks and understanding the cars and all. I feel like they're either there's one or two ways this is going to go, I feel. It gets that way. Or he's going to get put in like a real big piece of a pile of crap, like the 32 car, which is one of the worst cars out in the circuit um, on a good day. And or or actually, there's a third option, which we were talking about briefly before we came on the air. Because he's a Ford employee, he's not a Stuart Haas employee, Ford could dictate where he goes. Uh, There are other Ford teams that exist that, you know, you, you look at, I don't think Roush is really in play because they're just whatever. I feel like Front Row Motorsports has a car open in the 34, and possibly Chase goes and spends a year there and then moves over to the, to the main team, to the Stuart Haas team, in 22 for the new car. 
he gets to learn on the job, gets to do it with no real fanfare or attention. They have sponsorship. They have money. Bob Jenkins has done a job. You're a fan. You've been a fan of their organization because your driver was there, Clayton, for a while. Um, I, I think that's a safe, smart landing spot, and you keep one of Ford's top prospects in the fold instead of keeping them down in the Xfinity series where, I mean, it's fine, but I don't think that it's the, it doesn't sound like they have any plans for any Fords to be out there next year. So I don't know how that's going to work. And I picked up from about the news of Chase Briscoe, I guess this week that's starting to filter out is he basically said, listen, I'm under contract for Ford, you know, through next year. So Ford's going to, figure out a way to put him somewhere you know so i wouldn't be too worried about him not driving a car next year um he he just and and his eight wins this year it's been incredible and there, there's no doubt in my mind he's gonna get at least one more before the season ends um he, he you know last year and the year before when he got to the Xfinity series he kind of sat there and he went eh, he's got a lot of skill but he's got to put it all together this year he's put it all together and to do that without practice um, and I know everybody else is sort of not in practice either, but he's a young driver learning how to do it. Uh, it's very, very, very impressive. So um, I, I, I tell you what, I, I think he's going to be, no matter where he goes, he's going to be a, a factor. Uh, I don't know if it's the 32. I don't know if it's the 98 again. I don't know if it's the 14. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. But he'll definitely be in a car next year, and I think, you know, in the next couple of weeks we'll get a little bit clearer picture about where Chase Briscoe is going to go here uh, for the 2021 season. Uh, NASCAR Gator Outdoors and RV Check Series race was on uh, Friday night. West, World of Westgate 200 from Las Vegas Motor Speedway. It was a race won by Austin Hill. Uh, Austin Hill had some real problems at Bristol Motor Speedway. Put himself way back in the in the playoffs uh, standings, but he goes out at Las Vegas Motor Speedway and just wins. Holds off Sheldon Creed who. Had, I think, by far and away the fastest truck, but Hilda made a great pick call at the end, kept his track position, was able to hold off Sheldon Creed, and now he advances into the next round, uh, Spencer, with a, a solid, solid victory, and a, a victory he needed to have because after the, the tough day they had at Bristol, uh, it was looking sort of bleak for him. So for him to go out and win at Las Vegas was a huge, huge night for him. Yeah, it was for sure. And he's been fast all year, so it doesn't shock me that he's uh, that he won. But yeah, like you said, he needed it after the tough Bristol race. You know, we you know we just saw you know last night one race can put you in a big, big, big hole. I mean Austin Dillon. I mean, so um, you Austin Dillon said it best. You have to have a perfect playoff to really. Um, there's no room for mistake. Just the way the platform is, and he capitalized on that. He had a bad race at Bristol. And he came back and won. And um, they've, like I said, they've had speed all year. Um, you know, I really personally can't. I don't like the guy. I don't know why. I think he's cocky. Um, but I will admit that he has done a hell of a job in that 16 car or truck, as I should say. Um, it's a smaller team. Uh, TRD and Toyota backed that team, and you know they've even, um, you know, stuck their foot in the Xfinity series too. So. And where he runs decently in that car, too. So, um, but, yeah, that's a good little team. And, you know, they won the championship with Brett Moffitt, won a lot of races with Brett Moffitt. So they know how to get it done. They know 
how to win races and they did that and that's what you got to do you got to win races and now he can go on the next race cool calm and collected and uh you know doesn't have to worry about anything so good job by Austin Hill and the 16 team at uh Hittori Motorsports Hill was your winner Creed finished second then it was Tanner Gray a really impressive run for him uh you know if that race was probably 20 or 15 laps longer I think Tanner Gray wins that thing he had a tremendous truck on a long run, and he did a hell of a job uh, at the end of that race, finishing third. Stuart Friesen, his best run of 2020, finishing fourth. Chandler Smith was fifth, then it was Grant Enfinger. Zane Smith, Christian Eckes, Matt Crafton, and Tyler Ankrum rounding out the top ten. Uh, who stood out to you, Philip, in that top ten? I mean, you, you talk about Gray. You're very familiar with his background. He had a great run uh, there on, on Friday. And then you have um, other young kids, Chandler Smith, a very impressive run. Friesen, as I mentioned, his best run of the year. Who stood out to you in that top ten from the Truck Series event? Yeah, I'll go with – I mean, the fact is you look at Zane Smith, but he's won races this year. You kind of expect that. Uh, you have a bunch of these guys that are in the playoff there. You have to give it to Tanner Gray, a guy who's uh, NHR – his family's NHRA. His grandfather drove top fuel, funny car, pro stock, all that. His dad drove pro stock. He's a pro, the youngest pro stock champion ever, and now he's transitioned over this last year and a half or whatever, nearly two years, to drive in ovals. And, you know, the DGR Crosley team made the playoff with Tyler Ankrum last year, but they went out in the first round. Uh, Tanner Gray has a bigger learning curve, of course, but he's starting to figure it out, and they're a team that's going to be around next year, figure because he's one of the Ford development drivers, and uh, DJR Crosley, of course, is a Ford development team. Uh, you don't know what the truck series is going to look like until about a month before Daytona, but I do feel like Tanner Gray is going to be there, and he's going to be a favorite going into next year. Uh, a lot of potential, a lot of talent. Uh, he's he is, I feel like I'm Ron Meyer, you know, like Sheldon, or, or I mean, not Sheldon, like, like Spencer talked about Austin Hill, like he's cocky, and, and, and Ron Meyer said it in the Miami or the U or whatever, his deal with the SMUs, like he is cocky, he is arrogant. Tanner is cocky, he is arrogant, but the point is he proves it on the on the racetrack, and that's what you have to do. If you're going to be that way, you better show it with results. Yeah, Um, and and so once you start actually showing some results, okay, fine. Um, And we're getting to that point in his development and with this organization where, at least with his vehicle, they're doing something. Um, We'll see what they do with other other trucks because they're trying to run two, three trucks at a time. It's similar to the crap they're doing at Nice and it doesn't work. Um, but I'll, I'll say Tanner Gray uh, is is the one to look at because, frankly, he's going to be there. Uh, I mean, I guess you could give a look at Chandler Smith because he's bringing the funding and he's going to be, it sounds like he's going to be in a, a full-time in a truck next year with the KVM. So who gets the who gets the punt out? What is it? Is it going to be, uh, what do you call, Akis, or is it going to be uh, Raphael Lassard? Money probably is on Lassard because he's had a brutal year. 
but we'll see what happens. Well, I definitely think Tanner Gray is the one that stood out to me. I agree. Listen, he he had a, you know, like I said, that that last run for him. I mean, I'm sitting there watching the lap times on my phone. I'm going, wow, these guys, that that truck is flying. And I really thought he was going to pull off a victory. Uh, you know, if that restart, if there was a late restart, I was I was really curious to see how he was going to do because it seemed like once the tires fell off, his truck um, was really really good. There's no question about that. Uh, you look at the playoffs here quick, and, and the elimination race for them is Talladega Super Speedway. And, uh, you know, right now you got Hill, who advanced, and, and Bristol, it was uh, Sam Meyer, who who just – Sam Mayer, excuse me, who won. But he's not running for points, so he doesn't get to advance. So really we only have one driver right now advancing on wins, and that's Austin Hill. But Shelton Creed's in very good shape. So is Brett Moffitt, Zane Smith. Uh, I think – Grant Enfinger's in good shape, too. But I think everybody back on back from 6th to 10th right now is, you know, sort of in that eh spot. Because Talladega is such a, a race that anything can happen. Early, late, you have, you know, this in the truck series especially, you have some guys making their first start ever on a super speedway. Early on, they get blocked and they think they're Superman and they wreck. Uh, you get that in a cup race too sometimes, but especially in the truck series. Um, so anything can happen in these truck series. So I feel like, you know, even though you got a lot of points, if you're like, you know, Tyler Ankerman, Matt Crafton, you know, you really got to run up there. And Crafton's another guy. We talked about uh, Kevin Harvick does it. So Crafton's another guy who usually hangs in their back, sat, sits there and goes, oh, I'm good. I'm good to sit here and not wreck. He can't do that on, on Saturday at Talladega because um, – you know, he's kind of right there on the points. Now, Ben Rhodes is about 15 points back of, of Matt Crafton, but 15 points is, is not a lot when you have stages and what can happen at Talladega. Uh, and Todd Gillen is sort of in a must-win situation or must run up front and must run in the top five for both stages and must finish in the top five and pray to get some help kind of mode. Um, you know, he needs some help because he's really struggled in the first two races in the playoffs, but – Truck series is going to be very, very interesting to see what happens here um, at Talladega Super Speed. We want to get your guys' opinion here on one topic before we move on and give our picks to Talladega. You know, uh, and I know, Philip, we kind of had a little bit of a conversation on Twitter about this, but I'll, get to, I'll go to Spencer first, get the newer fans' perspective, then we'll go to, to you on this, but... Uh, Spencer, there's some talk out there, and I, I think it's really picked up here in the last couple of days about potentially Bristol Motor Speedway um, adding dirt to Bristol Motor Speedway and making Bristol one of the Bristol races a dirt track race for the Cup Series. Now, there's a couple of things to look at. You know, the Cup guys are going to have to build their own race cars for one race for the dirts, um, but a lot of fans are really, really excited about the possibility about adding a dirt race to the Cup Series. Uh, what are your thoughts, Spencer, on that? Do you think that's something that intrigues you? Do you like the fact that it's at Bristol Motor Speedway? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm. Uh, you know, I love dirt racing. You know, I live 35 minutes from Volusia. Um, uh, hopefully, the North Carolina governor doesn't allow the 410 Sprint Car Finals, and they'll come down here and do it. But um, no, I love dirt racing, um, and that's just not because Larson does it. Um, it's even better that he does it. But something about it, man, you go to those races and them boys run. 
there's no holding back. You know, NASCAR, you can go, I'm going to lay back. You know, I'm going to head that head to the front with 50 to go. No, no, no. Dirt racing, you are 100% on the go, on the cushion, all the time, just running the wall or whatever line you want to do. It's exciting. Um, I would kill to go to the Eldora truck race. Um, but Bristol, I don't know if that's the right track to do. I don't know how they would do it at Bristol because um, that banking is steep. Like, it's really steep. Um, so, yeah, I'm all for it. You know, if they want to go dirt cup racing, fine, let's do it. But Bristol, um, I don't, I'm not quite sure how they would able to do, be able to do that at Bristol um, just because of how steep it is. Now, there are some dirt tracks that have a little bit steep of a bank. Not much, but a little. Um, but, good gosh, Bristol is like uh, – a miniature Daytona banking for a short track. So, yeah, I would be very curious on how they were able to do that. Um, I don't know if do it on the bottom of the turn, but there's not really a lot of room down there. So they do it at Bristol. I'd love to see how it uh, turns out, how they're able to do it. Um, so, yeah, it'd be uh, – I think it'd be fun. But if you do it in the Cup Series and the Truck Series, you got to do one in the Xfinity Series. So, um, yeah, if they do it, I'm all for it. It is interesting, you know. Uh, they've done they've done Bristol in the past in dirt, but it is interesting. Um, and not not NASCAR for sure, but uh, you know, other dirt racing series have done Bristol on dirt in the past. But you know, Philip, and I mentioned this on Twitter earlier. I like the fact that you know NASCAR is sort of going out there and saying, "Hey, we're going to throw it all on on the line here." Our fans have been sort of, and I I do think there is a group of fans who want to see the Cup guys on the dirts on the dirt track. Um, I'm not particularly one of them. I just don't think it's what we do in, in NASCAR in the cup series. Uh, I'm not going to hate going to a dirt race. I'm not going to sit there and go, Oh, what the hell? And, but you know, I would rather see a short track race. And that's my problem with this whole thing, Philip. And what I mentioned on, on Twitter is why are we replacing Bristol? Uh, you know, I understand that, um, there's business, factors that determine this and it's got a major major thing to do with it but there's hundreds of, of great dirt tracks around this country outdoors one that we could go to and we're not um and we're gonna go to if we potentially go to bristol we're taking a, a what is a great short track race and putting dirt on there and making it a dirt track race so as somebody who's a a, an, a short tracker at heart somebody who loves short track racing Asphalt short track racing, it bothers me a little bit we're going to lose Bristol because of, of a dirt race where we have so many damn mile and a half tracks. Why can't we replace a mile and a half and go to a dirt track like Outdoor or, you know, Volusia County, which is what Spencer mentioned. That's my problem with this whole thing, Philip. What are your thoughts? Yeah, Nate, it's, it's just dumb uh, to me. I, I mean, I know they're going to do it because they already put – the thought balloon out there, so they're they're gonna do it. They ruined it's SMI ruins all their tracks somehow, some way. It started with Humpy and levigating at Charlotte. It wasn't all the greatest track anyway, but once he levigated that, they ruined that place. That's why they had to go and put a street course in there. You know, Atlanta, they've left it alone for years and years, but they're getting to a point where they have to pave it, so it's gonna be a disaster. Texas is one of the worst racetracks that's ever been made in the history of mankind. They ruined Bristol. 
you know, it it just goes on and on. Snoroma is terrible. I mean, it doesn't really matter. Everything SMI owns is crap in terms of racetracks. Kentucky sucks. There's no reason to go there. Um, no people weren't showing up even when they during pre-pandemic they weren't showing up. So you don't have to go there. Uh, you could go and get rid of a race at Kentucky. You could go to freaking Knoxville. Go and run the Knoxville or run in Knoxville, Iowa. And then you could go and combine that with Iowa Speedway, and then you could get two tracks that people want on the schedule. You could go and run Eldora with Tony, albeit they don't know how to put make a cushion or a thing for, for stock cars because by the that last truck race was was mind numbingly bad. Uh the, you're not able to make anything going as a one groove racetrack. It seemed like a one and a half mile racetrack. And they're going so slow it didn't matter. Um the they ran World of Outlaws there years ago, Sammy Swindell won both years. You're able to run up high, you're able to run low. And it's possible. Is it a viable option? Obviously, they think it is. Um, they It was really dry. So, I mean, it's bad enough we're dealing with what we're dealing with with COVID. But when they ran that race back years ago, it was so dry, the amount of dirt and all the, all the, the what do you call, like the, um, spray or whatever, like it was really arid. The 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 dirt was coming up, so you're just sitting there and you're just like breathing in dirt. And the heck, kind of the fans aren't even able to sit there and watch it. So the that doesn't even make sense. Like if you wet the track down too much, you won't be able to get. There won't be anywhere to go. Everyone's going to either be really low, or everyone's going to be running up on the fence. There's only going to be one group. So I don't know, whatever. Let the we'll see what happens. It's they're gonna do it. It's the same way they're gonna. There's a, a Jim France wants to have IMSA light with with quote stock cars end quote. That's basically what he wants. Um, so they're gonna run it anyways. It doesn't really matter what we think. They're gonna run a dirt race. So it's a sad thing though. Yep. Getting rid of Bristol. They 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 run Nashville Super Speedway as a dump. They run Kentucky to dump. They're going to run two races at Kansas. It's always been a dump. Vegas, dump. It doesn't matter. We just run all these dang cookie-cutter racetracks. Most of them suck, especially with the 550 rules package. It's like, go and have some originality. Let's go run more short tracks. Go and invest in some of them, put some safer barriers around them, and let's go. Um, that That's that would show. Yeah. That's, that's what it would show – um, growth, but they don't care. They're full of it. Hey, there is something that might make your ears perk here a little bit, and I don't know if you saw it on Reddit earlier, but I have con- had some sources confirm those rumors on Reddit, uh, have some legs to it. And, you know, if you were uh, the Thorpe of Clear podcast, uh, one of the producers of that show um, posted a picture on Twitter today about what they were going to talk about. And, one of the topics they were going to discuss this week is the fact that there's rumors about Kentucky and Chicagoland losing their dates in the Cup Series. Now, the, Chicago's been out there for a while about losing a date because, you know, the land around there is very, very valuable. But Kentucky's sort of new, and I have gotten some uh, 
firsthand knowledge that Kentucky is going to lose their date here in 2021. Um, can't confirm Chicago yet, but I would think that's a pretty good bet considering it's been in a rumor mill here for a while. So it is going to be interesting to see what they do and replace those with. I think maybe we're going to see uh, a street course in Chicago. Who knows? I don't know what they're going to do, what they're planning on doing, but that's something to keep an eye on here. Uh, I think the first leg of the schedule for the Cup Series next year is going to be released um, within the next couple of days, maybe on a Wednesday. So something to keep an eye on here as as the news starts to trickle out about the schedule, Kentucky and Chicagoland potentially losing uh, a date here. So be something to keep an eye on. Um, real quick, guys, want to get your takes on who's going to win. I mean, obviously, Talladega and that chance to put, um, you know, any words in your mouth or, or sway your opinions in any way. But Talladega, we all know how it is. It can be – it's a it's a crapshoot, sort of a, a put, you know, names in a hat and pull one out, and that's who's going to win. Um, so we'll do all three picks here quick in one shot. I'll start with you, Philip. Cup Xfinity Trucks. Talladega, who wins? Uh, Cup Series, I'll uh, – that's that's a good one. Uh, The Cup Series, I will go with uh, Clyde, um, William Clyde Elliott II. Uh, He'll go and get another win at Talladega just to be like his dad, follow through on the whole family tradition. The Sirene will go off. Uh, yet again, and all of all of most popular driver fan base going to lose their effing minds at Talladega. Um, that'll be the Cup winner in the Xfinity Series. I think Ross Chastain, to save uh, Spencer's life, uh, will will finally get his win this year in the Xfinity Series. He'll get pushed by AJ Adderall-Mendinger and uh, Justin Haley to go in advance into this next round. And then in the truck series, uh, I mean, last year, Spencer Boyd won, which is something. And now he can't even run the pace. Uh, that's definitely a wild card. That's the biggest wild card of all of them. I, I'll go, I'll go with, uh, uh, I'm going to go with Grant Infinger. He won Daytona. Great race that he had with Jordan Anderson there. Figure Grant Infinger goes. He's a great super speedway racer. Did in ARCA, too. Um, I think uh, Grant Infinger goes out there and wins uh, Saturday afternoon at Talladega. Spencer, your turn. The three winners this weekend at Talladega Super Speedway. Uh, for the trucks, oh man, uh, I go out on the limb and say the, uh, oh man, Todd Gillen, why not? I mean, he was good at Daytona. Um, for the Xfinity, I'm going to have to go with Ross, but it's probably going to be a college car, um, so I'll keep it simple. Um, and for the Cup Series, uh, Joey Logano. All right, so I'm going to go my picks here quick. I'm going to give you uh, my cup pick is going to be, I'm going to say, uh, again, Joey Logano, uh, Xfinity. I'm going to go with um, Austin Sidrick. And in the truck series, I'm going to go all forward. I'm going to say uh, Matt Crafton pulls it off and wins the truck series event at Talladega Super Speedway. So uh, fun night, guys. Discussed a lot of topics and had a lot of great things. And we'll be back here next week. 
on Talking Circles, breaking down Talladega, uh, looking ahead towards the Roval at Charlotte Motor Speedway uh, here in a couple of weeks. So I want to thank everybody for listening to Talking Circles tonight. We'll see you next time. Good night.